unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I thought at first, looking at the show notes, that this was going to be an old master series. I found out that it's not, but it still looks like a really good episode, so I'm excited to jump into it. All right, well, let's begin. Today's show is important for everyone involved in copy, and it's especially important for the big thinkers, visionaries, big picture people. We're going to talk about a subject that makes some people quake in their boots, and that subject is details. They're not as easy to deal with for some people as they are for others. Details do not seem as important as the big idea to a lot of marketers and copywriters. And listen to what people say about details. The famous architect, Mies van der Rohe, said, God is in the details. He also said each material has its specific characteristics, which we must understand if we want to use it. This is no less true of steel and concrete. So you can see he was really into details himself. Then there is a famous saying people say a lot on TV and in movies and also every day in real life. And that is the devil is in the details. So right here we have details spanning the moral spectrum from God to the devil. Clearly they are important, but the question remains, are they good or bad? And how about this saying, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. Hmm, sounds like they're talking about details there too. This applies to copy, why? Because we have a natural bias against details in this way. We are talking about things that are dramatic and exciting We like to make big promises. We are seeking to guide emotions in a powerful way. And think about it. A headline like this, the important difference between black and tortoiseshell plastic barrettes from Dollar Tree just wouldn't cut it. Or would it? Lots to talk about on today's Copywriters Podcast, but stay right where you are because copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, so Nathan, I wanted to put this together because of a conversation I had with a client who had nothing but glowing testimonials and over-the-top claims on a sales page. Now, the person I was talking to was very successful personally, and he had a very successful business. But I quickly realized he was leaving a lot of money on the table because there might be a couple of problems for some prospects. One, credibility. Two, identification. Now, There's always a tension between awesome excellence, which may be God's honest truth about your product, but the result may be the truth. And the everyday life 
your prospects are now living, like now, like, you know, before your product. The emotional part of your prospect, the part that dreams, wants to think big, loves to imagine wild, wonderful, luxurious scenarios in the future. But the rational part of your prospect needs to confirm what they are reading or have recently read. They need to confirm that it isn't just a scam and a waste of their money. And this is where credibility and identification come in. At least some part of your copy to perform its best needs to be credible to your prospect. And that means from a practical point of view, talking about things they are familiar with in their real world right now, not in the future. Identification comes in when the prospect can see themselves right now in some way in your copy. Maybe in the before part of a before and after testimonial. Maybe in a description of an ordinary person struggling with the same problem your prospect struggles with. Maybe in a bullet point that talks about improving something specific in their current life. So resolving the tension between the over the top and mundane stuff of the and over the top stuff and the mundane stuff of the real world requires delving into the nitty gritty. That is details. Okay, a related tension that causes us problem in our copy is the tension between the grandeur of the big picture, walking on the beach at sunset in some exotic tropical location, and the unglamorous detailed experience of the prospect's daily life, the embarrassment and discomfort of toenail fungus. Both are about feet, right? Walking, toenails. Now, you might or might not mention both things in the same promo, much less in the same sentence like I did, but being able to shift lenses to go from the wide shot in the beach to the close-up of the toenail is more important and more useful than a lot of people think. We're going to talk about how the nitty-gritty fits into testimonials, case studies, bullet points, and other parts of copy and why you can't ignore it even if it doesn't seem that important to you, because it is important to your prospects. Now, Nathan, I know you you are very good at big picture stuff, but you're also quite detail-oriented. You know, as an artist, you're really good at techie stuff. That's very detailed. So what, is, what does this all bring to mind for you? The, the main thing, and I don't know how much you're going to touch on this, but the main thing that I have noticed a lot is... In promos, especially when I'm working long-term with a client and we give a promo three or four months to go and then we go back and look at it, a lot of times the biggest thing that's stopping sales is one tiny detail that we left out, one little thing, and we'll see it in the questions. We'll get the question over and over again. How does this part work? Or does this do this? And it's once it hits you, you're like, oh, how did I forget to leave that in the sales page? But it is, it's always one tiny detail, and it that one tiny detail ends up to hundreds of lost sales sometimes. Yeah, I wasn't going to cover it quite as perfectly as you just did. I mean, I I I am planning to talk about it, but you bring up a great point because being detail-oriented does not mean that every page of your copy is like a data spec sheet with, you know, it it means that there are certain key details Mm -hmm. and you need to find out what they are. And sometimes you can only find them out the way you mentioned, right? You know, 
through questions. Or sometimes you can find them out to some degree, I guess, in advance with research. Yeah, I will. I will say though, one of the things, the way that I structure the way I do business, is I don't do here's your copy. I'm out of here. Peace. I do. Right. Okay, let's work together on this for at least six months and really fine tune it and hone it down. And usually it's at about the three or four month mark that we find, oh man, this one little detail and it's a huge leverage point, but you don't find it when you're just a one and done copywriter. Okay, an another really good point. And, you know, while, while we're talking about this, I also want to talk about what detail, what focus on details is not. There are a couple of copywriting techniques that might be confused with this, and they do establish credibility and they do create identification, but they're not part of what we're talking about today. So let's get them out of the way. The, the first one is what we call in copywriting the damaging admission. And this is where you show that you or a person you're writing about isn't perfect. People can identify with that because most people will admit, you know, maybe after a few drinks that they're not perfect. And they have a hard time comparing themselves to someone who is. By showing a flaw or a shortcoming or maybe a failure in the past, you really humanize yourself or someone else you're writing about. And that's good. And that that's a great technique and it helps, but it's different than the nitty gritty. It's more about making someone relatable by showing their human imperfections. Okay, the second thing that's related but not nitty gritty is the use of the word almost, or another word like almost. There's a famous Merrill Lynch ad from the 1940s with the headline, why some people almost always make money in the stock market. And the word almost makes the headline a lot more believable. Think about this headline by comparison, why some people always make money in the stock market. And that headline's hard to believe right out of the box. She's even Warren Buffett loses money sometimes. He took a multi-billion dollar hit because he was in the reinsurance business invested in it after 9-11. However, Warren Buffett and other successful investors can be described with the headline, why some people almost always make money in the stock market. That's believable because it rings true. And using a word like always does the same thing as making the damaging admission. It makes the person or people you're talking about sound more human. Still, we're not getting into details. This is not the nitty gritty with these techniques. So let's look about what this is all about. Did do you want to say anything before I go into that? No, I'm just on the edge of my seat here. So please continue. <laughs> all right, great. Thank you. So to get into big picture copy, we need to start with the concept of the quintessential. I learned about this from my friend and teacher, Jim Bonnet, a successful Hollywood screenwriter and Hollywood actor in his book, Stealing Fire from the Gods, Jim writes, if you want to make the subject you've chosen more fascinating, you take it to the quintessential. You evolve it into the best example of that subject. You make Harry Potter about the most extraordinary magic the world has ever seen. You make Gladiator the most extraordinary example of slavery or ultimate combat imaginable. According to the dictionary, Jim writes, the quintessential is the pure, concentrated essence of anything, the ultimate example of something, the most perfect manifestation of something. And how do you do that? By conjuring. Instead of an ordinary prison, you make your prison even more miserable than the black hole of Calcutta, reportedly the worst place ever to be incarcerated. 
incarcerated. Instead of an ordinary murder, you make it a perfect murder. Now, Jim's book is great, and I recommend it. And we'll put a link in the show notes. But I recommend it with caution. It is great for coming up with your big idea, but you can't leave the nitty-gritty in the dust in the process, not in copy, if you want to get the maximum sales. And it's true. In positioning, this works really well. You can do great using only the quintessential, the biggest, the best, things like that. The problem with only using the quintessential in all of your copy is it may make your offer look like it is unobtainable or the results are unobtainable or not a good fit for many of your prospects. And that's where the rest of what we're going to talk about comes in. Anything on the quintessential? Yeah. So I use this specifically, Ben Settle calls it rubbing salt in the wound. A lot of times when I'm trying to sell either a prevention type supplement, something that you may not have the full-blown problem yet, but the problem will get worse if you don't take care of it now. A lot of times it's kind of like there's a monster in the room, but I'm playing video games and it's off in my peripheral vision and it's kind of fuzzy. So I'm going to use a both. I'm going to use the quintessential, make the monster as big and, and scary as possible. But then I'm going to get into the details. I'm going to talk about the venom dripping off of the fangs. I'm going to talk about the blood dripping off of the claws. I'm going to get down into those nitty gritty details because you have to paint that picture, especially if they're not yet feeling it. You need to make it to where they do feel it. So a combination of the quintessential and the details, the nitty gritty is what works for me in that type of situation. That's a very specific, interesting situation. And you're right. You know, monster is an abstract concept. Who cares? Monster with, you know, the blood or the venom dripping off their fangs. That's pretty specific and real. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Now let's talk about testimonials and case studies. One part of copy where the nitty-gritty really shines is with testimonials and case studies. And this is both a great opportunity as well as a potential disaster area for a lot of copywriters and marketers. It can be a disaster area when too large a percentage of what makes its way into the copy and testimonials is either focused on the quintessential, the big picture, big names, or is vague and generally useless and it can be a great opportunity because testimonials and case studies that your ordinary prospect can relate to, especially in really specific ways, can bring in sales you might otherwise never have had. So let's look at how to get the best out of these techniques one by one. So there are three kinds of testimonials. Expert authority testimonials, results testimonials, and experience testimonials. And what are these different types? Well, expert authority testimonials usually come from big names, at least in the niche, if not for the general public. Doctors, for example, in health products. Now, the doctor may not be a celebrity when the prospect starts to read the letter or watch the VSL, but when you put the letters DR in front of a person's name, that person becomes somewhat of a celebrity or at least they become a recognized authority. So those types of testimonials are not where you get the most bang for your buck with the nitty gritty. Experts and authorities can make broad approving statements that will work. 
The interesting opportunities come with the other two types of testimonials. A results testimonial is about the results someone had with your offer. If your prospects are ordinary people, not celebrities, then it would be kind of stupid to make all your testimonials from celebrity types. Along the same lines, if you want to talk about results, at least some of the results in your testimonial should be from people your prospect can identify with, and the results should be something they can envision for themselves. Experience testimonials, the same thing. The kind of experience a celebrity or a world authority has with your product may be expressed entirely differently from the way a normal person would talk about it. If normal people are your market, make sure you have some of them giving testimonials that your prospects can identify with. And as for case studies, you want at least some of them, and probably all of them, to be relatable and specific. Not over-the-top and glamorous, but down-to-earth. It may be boring to you, but it's very encouraging and desire-building for your prospects. Mm -hmm. One thing that I do want to add to that is when mixing the credibility bonus from having an expert authority as part of your testimonials and trying to mix that in with the results or the experience type testimonials, a lot of times your people will look at it and they'll say, well, yeah, it worked for him because he's a famous athlete or yeah, it worked for her because she's a famous supermodel. But how do I know this perfume is going to get me the same results? So you got to be careful with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you talk about results for, I mean, when you talk about results, one question you want to ask uh, along the lines of what you're saying is, okay, will the prospect think, yeah, I could get those results too? Mm -hmm. Or will they really have to, will that be a stretch for them to say that? Okay, so bullet points. One of the parts where drilling down to the nitty gritty really applies is bullet points. They really stand out the most because they're, designed to deal with small stuff. You can create a bullet point to highlight one aspect of your product or service or to highlight a benefit of one of those aspects. Nevertheless, you need more than bullet point formulas or bullet point templates. And, you know, guilty as charged, I introduced bullet point templates about 10 years ago. You also need the correct mindset. It's easy to sweat and struggle I'm sorry, 20 years ago. It's easy to sweat and struggle and come up with a great big idea and then come up with it and then believe your big idea will do all the heavy lifting and everything you need to get done to make the sale. And it will with some buyers, a very small percentage, but many more will want to have their specific desires acknowledged and their specific needs addressed. And coming up with the answer to the question, what are those specific desires and needs that starts with research no matter how good you are at sales or writing copy there's no substitute for research in a case like that the other is what are we going to call it now post-launch research what you were talking about nathan where you follow you know questions and you notice that there's a question that keeps coming up now once you know these things and obviously you, you can't Put that in your initial copy, but you can modify your copy as you learn. But once you know these things, you can write bullets that really resonate. You can talk about your offer, 
parts of it through the lens of their world, their frustrations, their fears, their everyday life. You can write bullet points about things like that that are in great specificity. And here's the result you're after. You need to drill down enough to the nitty gritty in a way that really connects with your prospects so that after reading your promotion, they think they're talking to me. So I thought this was just me for a long time, but after running a bunch of sales pages with heat map tracking on them, one of the things that I've noticed that happens a lot is people will read the headline and then before they even read the hit, the hook, they'll skim down to the bullet points because those are usually the easiest. They get straight to the point. They get into the nitty gritty if they're done well. And then if they like what they read in the bullet points, they'll go back up and read the hook. And I've seen this happen a lot of times. And so it really emphasizes the importance of really getting those bullet points correct. Yeah. And it's not just a question of writing them well. It's also a question of knowing what to write about and, you know, addressing the conversation already going on in the prospect's mind. We always talk about addressing the conversation or entering the conversation, that old Robert Collier thing, for the headline and for the lead, but bullet points, just as important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, you know, with all this detail, a good question is, why do we even have to talk about this? And we don't. But I'll answer the question this way. It's a good idea to talk about this because marketers and even some top-level copywriters are leaving money on the table, not out of defiance of dealing with the nitty-gritty, but because they're unaware. They're unaware of how important it can be. And I wanted to do a reality check on my ideas. I mean, Nathan, you're like the best one because you talk to people and you're involved in a lot of copywriting yourself. But I want to do a different reality check. So I talked to a couple of highly respected pros to see if they had noticed the same things I had. And it was a wonderful confirmation bias experience. But what I found was based on their own carefully considered experiences working with visionary type business leaders, they saw some of the same thing and they had some interesting insights about it. One of my experts is in the marketing field and she said she had absolutely seen the same thing and sometimes ended up diplomatically putting in the nitty gritty pieces campaign into you know, the copy herself because the big picture marketers and copywriters just didn't get it. Other times, though, she said, other times, she was able to help them, that is, the marketers, the copywriters, the the business owners, she was able to help them see that crucial tiny details could make or break a promotion, and they were willing to revise their approach by themselves. My other expert is an executive coach who works with a lot of visionary business leaders, entrepreneurs, company founders, people like that, and her observation was that the big picture folks weren't stubborn or inherently opposed to details. They were simply unaware of why the nitty gritty could be important and how to include it in what they were doing to get better results. And once these things were clear to these visionaries, they were totally on board and willing to change their approach to add a spotlight on important details when it would help them achieve their vision. Now, let's say your head of marketing for Cuisine Art. I happen to be very lucky because for my birthday, my girlfriend bought me a Cuisine Art cordless electric tea kettle, which is way cooler than it sounds. 
It heats the water to an exact temperature, which is good for me because I'm, you know, very precise about the water I use, the temperature to make coffee with my Aerobi AeroPress. Now, if you're head of marketing for Cuisinart and you want a big picture argument for getting one of these gizmos, you could say, when the deep state energy police come to take away your gas stove, you'll still be able to make the perfect cup of coffee with no interruption. And that might work for some people. But I'm more concerned about some details of the mechanics of making a cup of coffee because it tastes better when the water is just the right temperature. So the argument that would work better for me that would really get down the nitty gritty is you can get the water exactly as hot as you need it to be and just press the button to keep it that way, especially when you're making more than one cup of coffee. Yeah, it's pretty specific, all right, but it makes a huge difference to me. I mean, have you had any experiences with with clients that they're like, they only have the view from 30,000 feet and you've had to sort of shoehorn some of this stuff in? I would say I've had the experience with myself a lot of times because I write a lot for clients, but I also write for a couple of my own products or sometimes I write for affiliate offers and I've caught myself getting stuck in the 30,000 foot view and then again coming back and and seeing oh this question keeps getting asked how did i forget that detail so yes i've definitely experienced it and now i try to have the approach of nailing both it feels like you need to have the 30,000 foot view but you also need to go in there and get those details because even the same reader sometimes wants both of them sometimes people just want the 50,000 foot view sometimes people are really detail oriented But a lot of times the same reader will hit both bases. Cool. All right. So let's do a little summary and action plan now. We've covered a lot. The tension between awesome excellence and the prospect's day-to-day reality. The tension between the grandeur of the big picture and the detailed experience of the prospect's actual life. What the quintessential is. Using nitty-gritty in testimonials and case studies. Using nitty-gritty in bullet points and why we're even talking about this. So what should you do about this? Well, if you're a marketer or copywriter who leans toward the big picture, maybe review this podcast again and take notes. If you're working with someone who tends to dismiss all the nitty gritty is not important, see if you can get them to listen to this podcast with an open mind. Now, There's a well-regarded book that shows how visionaries can use what the authors of the book call an integrator, that's a person, to help translate details into specifics and into action, or translate their vision into details and details into action. And I'm not sure how much help this would be for what we're talking about, but I'll mention it anyway and put a link in the show notes, and if that sounds like a good idea, check it out. It's called Rocket Fuel. And it's by Gina Wickman and Mark C. Winters. And if none of these ideas work, hire me for a copy review and let me know you'd like to focus on the nitty gritty so you can see exactly what it looks like and improve the response. And I even put a link in the show notes from GarfinkelCoaching.com, the copy critiques link. So finally, if you're doing everything we've been talking about, keep on doing what you've been doing. And in all and any situation, make sure you're subscribed to Copywriters Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to rate and like this episode.
<laughs> nice. One last thing I just want to talk about is you have mentioned a few times on the podcast the the analogy of the teeter-totter. And the more work that you put into it, the more the teeter-totter leans down towards your way and the money flows towards you. And the less work, the more work that the reader has to put into it, the more likely the money's going to stay in their pockets. And yeah. these nitty-gritty details are like the final touches. A lot of copywriters get the big idea done, they get the piece done, and they're like, okay, it's ready. It's 80% done and out the door. It's better than... 99% done and still in the drawer, right? But those final details, those drilling down to the nitty gritties, that's doing that extra bit of work that leans the teeter-totter more towards your direction so that that money starts flowing. So it's that little bit of extra work that you can put into your sales copy that's gonna make a huge difference. It really is because, you know, those little details that you found out about after three or four months they weren't a lot of work, but I bet they really changed the conversion rate. Yeah, and you find it over and over again, especially the longer that you stay in this industry. Yep. So I, I guess the answer is God is in the details. We've, we've answered that question. Mies van der Rohe <laughs> was right. <laughs> there you go. All right, man, you, you took my job. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to Copywriters Podcast. There's a lot more awesome episodes over there as well. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Stories are the most powerful way to get and hold a prospect's attention. Of course, you already know that. But the problem many of us have had is, even though stories are absolute magnets for getting attention, they don't do that much to advance the sale. That's because the way most of us have been taught to tell stories was not with persuasion in mind. I decided to change that. So I looked at what I had learned in studying story and writing copy for decades, as well as coaching all-star copywriters. What I had learned about stories that persuade, and I wrote a book, it's called The Persuasion Story Code. It tells you exactly how to create and use stories to move the sale forward. Lots of stories. I'm including examples of 25 different kinds with step-by-step -step guidelines for putting your own persuasion stories together. You can get The Persuasion Story Code on Amazon.com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.